What's up, ladies and gentlemen? It's Patrick. I'm here with my boy Leo. It's Wednesday, November 11th. Back after a long-awaited uh, return to the podcast. There's a bit of a gap. Leo came down a little something. This is the first time I'm seeing my good friend here in a couple weeks now. Leo, how you doing? How you feeling? I'm good. Uh, as some of you know, I had COVID for the past two weeks. I got cleared to resume regular activities on Monday. And I'm just excited to leave my house. The only interaction I had the past two weeks was with my mom. So that was exciting. God bless my mother. She took great care of me. And I just stayed in my room for two weeks and enjoyed my room life. So life could have been better. Life could have been worse. But yeah, I came down with a pretty mild case. And now we're back. How you been? I've been doing good. You had a lot of great soccer to watch while you were in there stuck in there you had a lot of stuff that we've missed over the last couple of weeks i think it's been three three and a half weeks since we've last recorded so a lot of stuff's happened three game three champions league games or two rounds of champions league have happened um yes yeah, so the last time we recorded uh the day we recorded was the first champions league game so we didn't even get to recap those oh yeah we said we'd talk about it on the next episode and then, and then the next episode never came along so now we're back and we've missed a lot, a lot of things to talk about, but we'll try and keep it short. We'll kind of try and just recap some of the teams, how they've been playing, give us our thoughts on different aspects of what these teams have been doing. So it should be interesting, and I guess we can get right into it here. Um, looking at the top of the table, Leicester City. Yeah, Leicester City's at the top of the table. They're off to a better start this year than they were in their 2015 season. Yeah, they had a big win over Wolves. Wolves is always a tough get, but Wolves, you know, I definitely think Wolves has played down this year because there's no fans in the stadium. Leicester City is another one of those teams that thrives on fans. Um, but we haven't seen the best out of Wolves this year, and Leicester's just been pretty potent. The same is, I think they've kind of figured out, Brendan Rodgers has kind of set the way that they want to play. They know why, the way they want to play, what makes them special. They got a lot of good midfielders that can just run and run and run. I'm a big fan of Yuri Tielemans, uh, Dennis Pratt, and all those guys. They bring in Chowdhury off the bench, and he's just a workhorse too. And then those guys do all the work, so guys like Jamie Vardy can go score goals and Harvey Barnes out left and all those guys. So Leicester City. Yeah, Leicester City's playing really well. Jamie Vardy up for Golden Boots yeah. again this year. And one of the crazy stats that I saw they have, like, the most penalty kick goals this yeah. year by any team, by a long shot. More than so, United? More than United, like, more more than, like, double the second team. So, they keep getting fouled in the box. Honestly, I feel like when we talk about Leicester City penalty kicks, they haven't really been too controversial. So, good for them. They keep getting fouled, and Jamie Vardy literally buries every single penalty kick he takes. So... They're off to a good start, and yeah, they came away with that tough win against Wolves. Wolves kind of lacking that attacking power. They haven't been letting up a lot of goals. They just uh, they've been struggling to get some goals in themselves. Um, the loss of Diogo Jota, big loss. People didn't really realize how big of a loss that would be to their offense, but I'm sure they'll find their groove. They have enough talent on that team to keep it going, but. Leicester City in first place, and this top of the table is very interesting. This year, 
who know I don't know who's gonna win this year. You still think that one of the big dogs is gonna come out on top, but yeah, for right now who knows? It's only like eight games into the season, right? So it's very hard to tell who where we're gonna be in thirty games. That's a lot of games left to play. But Leicester City started it brilliantly in their last five games. They beat Arsenal one nil. They've won two games or three games in the Europa League, and they've only given up. Two goals, one to Leeds, who they beat 4-1, and then one to uh, Athens, who they beat 2-1. So, like, they've been stellar both at the front and the back, finishing games in the Europa League. They don't take anything off. Um, so, yeah, Leicester's yeah. definitely making their mark, pushing for... 30 games is a long time, though, so, like, you, you just got to be conscious of injuries. I see some Chengis under the guy, the the recent purchase this summer, the Turkish international has been a stud. He had that great assist against Arsenal to Jamie Vardy. Uh, he's uh, handed an injury concern for Turkey over the international break. So it's about how these kind of teams can hold up long term. That's going to really make a difference. Yeah. And in the Europa League, like Patrick said, they're 3-0 and off to the best start you could be in. And that kind of gives them some leeway to the Mix and match with their lineups after Rotate this international players, yeah. break. We've been seeing a lot of James Madison starting the Europa Leagues, and he's been he's earning back, every yeah. every part of that. You know, he, they got a tough decision every week who's going to start at the weekend between him and uh, who's it, Harvey. So, yeah, a lot to look forward to. A lot of promise there, and who knows? Maybe, uh, maybe in a few weeks, if they can make it to. Christmas in the top three, they'll be a really good uh, title contender. I think that's important. I mean, we don't want to spend too much time on Leicester, but I think it's really important just for all these teams to be in really close contention come Christmas time because Christmas time, as we've seen in the past, is where you know teams start to fall apart due to injuries or games. You know, three games in eight days, stuff like that, and you start to notice when teams aren't as deep as other teams. Uh, the Europa League tends to help that a little bit more than the Champions League. But um, we'll see. That's you just got to be. You got to be where you want to be before Christmas, because once Boxing Day rolls around, it gets really intense. But moving yeah. on to Spurs, Spurs lab. Well, we haven't been on this podcast since then. But back on October 29th, they fucked us by losing to Royal Antwerp one to zero, and they got actually dominated that game. I thought I watched that whole game yeah. on the Spanish channel from start I, to finish. I also watched, and they didn't play too well, and. Looking back on it, they've just been kind of grinding out wins. They haven't been flashy wins. They haven't really dominated really in any games. They've been struggling to kind of get goals, but they get the important goals. And I think just about every game since we last talked has been a, a one-goal game that yep. they've pulled out. And props to them. That's what you got to do. You got to get the points in the league. doesn't matter how you do it. And this past weekend, we... Bet on them to score more than two goals and win, and they only got one, unfortunately. But they get three points. They got a late, late goal there from Harry Kane against yeah. West Brom, and that took them to the top of the table. Yeah, um, you know Gareth Bale's gotten on the board. I think Tottenham's in good shape. I think Mourinho's really had a good effect on them. I'm not a huge Mourinho fan, but I respect him as a coach. Um, I think that he's got them bought in and playing to their style. And their front three is always going to be dangerous. It's just, again, a matter of how they can hold up at the back. I think that's a, kind of a common theme. Um, but, yeah, Tottenham's definitely a team that's 
shown that they're very, very dangerous going forward. Yeah, and at the beginning of the season, I think we were both kind of down on Tottenham. Yeah. I don't think either of us had We were them. down on Mourinho. We were I'd down say. on Mourinho, and I don't think either of us even had them in the top five. Or No, we had them, we had them in fifth place, I think, both of us. But credit to them and credit to Mourinho. We didn't quite see this coming. I think we both had Arsenal ahead of them, and so far that hasn't been the case. Um, Deli Ali, I, I don't know what's happened to that guy over the past three years. He's kind of turned into, I don't know if this is a fair comparison, but he kind of is reminding me of Lingard a little bit. Uh. Just kind of, you know, he, he burst onto the scene, and you're like, all right, this guy might be legit and I don't know he's just kind of falling off he doesn't play a whole lot now he comes in off the bench kind of falling out of sorts with Mourinho so we'll see what happens with him but shows yeah. you how big of a stamp of approval a manager makes on a player and that the truly great players are the players that transcend coaches you know they just have to be on the field and Deli Ali is shown to be you know I don't want to say surplus to requirements, but like clearly they're playing a different style. They're playing a different way of playing that doesn't really fit Deli Ali. We don't play. I mean, at Arsenal they don't play an attacking midfielder. He wouldn't get on the field with them either. You know, yeah. like Danny Ceballos is our most attacking midfielder. He's losing time to Mohamed El Neni. So it really just depends on, you know, the style of coaching. Mourinho's, you know, he thinks he's got enough when he probably does with Gareth Bale, Harry Kane, and Youngman's son up top. That's pretty potent attack. He likes the Sissoko. He likes the and Dombele's getting some time this year. Harry Winks has had, you know, he's even had some tar- hard, hard. He's found it hard to find minutes at times, and I think that it just kind of shows that they're they're playing that three five two with Reguilon as kind of a wing back. Yep. Has been a huge signing for them this year. Reguilon's been playing really well. He started today for Spain. Hector Bellerin got the Spain call up today, surprisingly, but uh, Reguilon's been a real stud for them. I think he's he's been the lone signing of the season. I guess you could say. Yeah, so definitely keep your eye out on Tottenham. Keep there. your eye out on them. Four wins and a draw in their last five. They got City next. When they return, they got a tough stretch. They got City, Chelsea, and Arsenal in their following three Premier League games. So I'm sure we'll see a lot of movement with Tottenham up and down the table with that tough fixture. But right now, they're sitting pretty. Jumping to Liverpool. Go ahead. They got Leicester City next, <laughs> but we can... We yeah, didn't so, talk about that, but a big Nemecho coming up next. Liverpool's been playing well. I've been very satisfied with the way the team's been playing. Um, they smacked Atalanta. We smacked, smacked Atalanta. Them. A lot of people on Twitter I saw were betting Atalanta, and I wasn't about it. We bet on Liverpool, and that was a, a good move. And how about Diogo Jota? We talked about him stud, a yeah. few minutes ago with Wolves. He might, if he keeps his pace going, we might be looking back and saying he was the signing of the season. I don't know. Is I don't know if that's a stretch. What your thoughts on that are? I just think he's a great player. I don't know if he's the signing of the season. I just think he's a great player playing with other great players. You know what I mean? Like you guys paid a fair price for him, forty million pounds, which makes other signings seem kind of crazy to me. Like Hakim Ziyech was the same price. Timo Werner was only 26. And then Diogo Jota, who no one was in the market for except Liverpool. Like, you never heard any other rumors other than him going to Liverpool. Yeah, it was kind of uh, just, uh, oh, by the way, we We're, signed Jota yeah, today. Like, like I crazy. Didn't, I didn't see any rumors about it, and I was thrilled to hear about it. And yeah. he's kind of forcing Klopp to play him. I, um, I, I think he'll be this, yeah, like, that's a good statement signing the season, but I think he's just finally playing around players that are just studs like yeah. Mohamed Salah and Sadio Mane are studs and he's showing that 
he's the he's a better nine or he you know like he's pushing Firmino out of the out of his spot and yeah that's what uh, is he has more goals and Firmino has at Anfield in, in like a month than he has in the last year and it's a you know? it's a tough it's tough for me because Firmino is one of those first guys that we brought in when the the culture was starting to change back for the better and he's just uh he's been struggling to score goals and at the same time he provides other a bunch of other things. He's one of the best uh, false nines, if you will. He's very good at um, winning challenges. So I don't know. We'll see what happens with Bobby. I've been hearing rumors. Maybe they might even sell him. So something to keep an eye on for sure. Um, a Joe, lot of injuries. Yeah, to Joe the Gomez team right picked now, up an injury today, which in is very tough. Yeah, Joe Gomez got hurt in training. I don't know how serious it was, yeah. but it seems like he might miss a, a decent amount of time. Uh, Fabinho's been hurt. Thiago's been hurt. So I don't know what's going to happen. Trent picked up an injury this past weekend. But we've been finding ways to win, and we got that tough point against City this past weekend. Yeah, well, that was a tough if we'll get into the city bet, but I just pulled this up. Gareth Southgate provided an update on his condition in his pre-match co- press conference today saying, he was praying for a positive diagnosis, but that it was not a good situation. While the severity of the problem is unclear, any length of absence would be particularly troublesome for Liverpool with a number of problems at the back. Yeah, so we got a lot of injuries at center back. We were going to play Fabinho next to him. Joel Matip's always hurt lately. So I don't know who's going to be our starting center back when we get back. Well, Reese Williams will probably be back there. And I don't know, we might even have to... Uh, make a small signing this uh, January and pick up some depth back there. So They got a big game against Leicester City coming up, so it's one versus three. But getting into that Man City game, uh, we'll jump into City now. We lost. Um, we didn't win that bet. We did not win that bet. I, uh, I low-key threw $100 on Liverpool. Unfortunate. <laughs> they were plus 290. I was like, I don't know why the line is like that. So I I threw a lot of money. I didn't win it. I had the money to blow at the time. So it was unfortunate. They played a really attacking lineup. They started all four guys, Firmino, Salah, Sané, and Diogo Jota. They played a, what was it, a 4-2-3-1. Yeah, Firmino underneath, right? I, I kind of had a, yeah, Firmino um, underneath. And I kind of had a feeling that the game was kind of going to play out the way it did. I kind of figured Klopp wanted to try and pounce on that in the first half and maybe get a, a goal or two, which they ended up getting. And then it kind of slowed down once City equalized. That was a great goal by Gabriel Jesus with a nice turn. Mm-hmm. And then Kevin De Bruyne, of oh. all people, of all people, Kevin De Bruyne manages to uh, shank the penalty kick, which I don't think... I When that happened, I was like, dude, I'm going to lose the bet which I still ended up losing the bet, but going down 2-1 at halftime with a stunk, but he shanks it left. I will say that we give a lot of shit to Jorginho. We give a lot of shit to like Bruno Fernandes and all these guys that just score penalty goals. One thing I have noticed is that Man City doesn't have that guy, and they've missed a lot of penalties over the last year, two years. I don't know any specific stats, but just from watching games, when Raheem Sterling steps up, he's missed a fair share of penalties. <laughs> Kevin De Bruyne has missed penalties. They've got Fernandinho's missed a penalty, I'm pretty sure. So I guess if you're you know, defending and you're defending and you're defending, it's 
as a center back, like it's almost impossible to just not stick a challenge in when you're exhausted, and it's obvious why these top teams get penalties so much more frequently than lower teams. But if you're picking a team to play against to give up a penalty, I guess it's Man City because even Kevin De Bruyne has he didn't even hit the frame. Like I yeah, never he, expected he, him to not he hit missed the frame. it left. He beat the goalie. Uh, <laughs> Becker went the wrong way, but he literally oh. missed the frame left. So how often do you see that? You very rarely see people put it wide. That's yeah, crazy. So, yeah, and then the second half rolled around, and I kind of had a feeling about 10, 15 minutes into the second half that the game was going to end in a draw, and it did. The pace of play really slowed down, unfortunately, and both teams were pretty timid. They didn't want to drop points this early, and that's the way it went. The It was raining the entire game, which surprisingly you'd think it, uh, the ball would skip around more in England, but... With the way these drainage systems are, it kind of slows the ball They're down They're always a lot. playing on wet fields, you know? Like, even when it's dry out, they water the fields and it skips around. Like, yeah. it's, the game's so fast now that it's the rain, I've come to learn, doesn't make that much of a difference. Yeah, not too much of a difference. It also rains all the fucking all, time. <laughs> yeah, most of the games are it in the rain. literally is pouring rain all the time. But that second half, the rain definitely had an effect. The, the weight of the passes was off because yeah. the pitch was playing so heavy, so... Just really slowed down the second half and a hard-fought point for both teams. We'll do City while we're here. Um, City beat Marseille. They beat their 3-0 in Champions League as well. I believe they beat Porto 3-1. They beat Marseille 3-0. And they've been doing, you know, bang average in the Prem. They tied West Ham. They beat Sheffield United 1-0. And then they beat Olympiacos in the in the Champions League as well, 3-0. Yeah, so they got some work to do. They're sitting at 10th with a game in hand, so they could bump their way up a couple of spots. But definitely some work to do to be in title contention in the next couple of weeks. They got to start pulling off results in the Prem. Uh, Aguero's definitely been a missing part of that. Gabriel Jesus, he's, all, he's been doing all right. Obviously, he had a great goal against Liverpool, but I don't think he's... Uh, the long-term solution to try and contend for a title, so they need to get a girl back in the lineup. But, yeah, a lot of work for for them to do. They haven't been scoring a whole lot of goals in the Premier League, and we'll see what happens. I was kind of surprised to see Phil Foden on mm-hmm. the bench for that match. Right. And we'll see what Pep's got in store for them when they get out of the international break. Coming back from the international break, they got Spurs game one, and then they got Olympiacos in the Champions League, and then followed by Burnley, and then Porto, and then Fulham. So not too tough of a ride going forward. They got a hard game right off the bat. Uh, their Champions League group's pretty easy, and then they got two relatively two, easy games. Two winnable games. Uh, you, you don't want to say most when this early, but you got to beat Burnley and Fulham to be up at the top of the table. So two kind of must-win games there to, to get themselves back into the top four, top five looking. So going on, sitting in fourth place is Southampton. And for, I think, about two hours, they were in first place waiting the results of some of these other teams. They had a great fucking tweet. Did you see the tweet? I retweeted it. It was... Shout out to oh, Southampton. Yeah. It was literally prime election season. You know, Donald Trump is filing litigations against all these kinds of states for, you know, voter fraud and stuff like that. And one of the things was stop the count. And Southampton, when they got to the top of the table for like two hours, <laughs> their admin tweeted, stop the count in all caps. It was so funny. So shout that out was, to that uh, guy. That was the first time in their team's history that they were ever at the top of the table. And 
credit to them. I, I think they can keep up this good form. The thing that we're seeing without the fans, it's playing a huge role that these teams are able to go into opposing stadiums and play a normal game and not have that added effect. And as we're seeing with Southampton and Austin Villa, it's really helping out these teams that don't have to travel in the places that are chaotic. They've gotten crazy results. So back October 4th, they beat West Brom 2-0. Then they tied Chelsea 3-3. Then they beat Everton 2-0. And then they beat Aston Villa 4-3. And Villa's been unbelievable this year. Then they beat Newcastle United 2-0. So Southampton's been on a tear lately, getting results against tough teams. Four wins and a draw in their last five. And they play Wolves next. So another tough test, but... I'm a big James Ward-Prowse fan. I love it. He gets <laughs> stuck into tackles like crazy. He can whip a good ball in. I think Southampton's... Uh... They're a, a dangerous team. We'll see how long they can keep it up. They didn't have Danny Ings, their most recent game against Newcastle. And I know we were kind of leaning on Newcastle. and I, It didn't end up mattering. Without Danny Ings, they end up winning 2 nothing, And that's that kind of shows just how far along they've come to be able to grind out a win like that without their top scorer. So jumping into Chelsea, Chelsea's in uh, fifth place with 15 points. Chelsea scored the most goals in the Prem this year, and they have the, they're have tied for the highest goal differential of plus 10. They've given up 10 goals, scored 20. And I've noticed that in damn near every one of their games, it's always 3-2, 3-3, 3-1. So Chelsea's a big over team going forward, I think. Yeah, and uh, it seems like they finally found their goalie, uh, Edouard Mendy. Yeah. Let's see here. Uh, up until this most recent game against Sheffield, which unfortunately we bet Chelsea to win the nil, and uh, our our good guy, McGoldrick. That dumb motherfucker. That guy decided Irish to score. Irishman. The Irishman fucked me. Yeah, the Irishman who just retired from the <sighs> Irish national team decided to score early. It didn't end up mattering. Chelsea ended up blowing them away. But up Sheffield now has game, four goals in their last eight games, and they picked this game to score a <laughs> fucking goal. Yeah, so Sheffield, not a good team going on the attack. And up until that game... Edward Mendy had held, let's see here, five straight clean sheets. So Chelsea's really yeah. turned around that defense, and we're starting to see that uh, offense kind of come together. Yeah, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, going into that, um, their offense is really coming together. Akeem Zayak has been scoring goals, too. He's finally started to find his footing with the team. Yep. And Timo Werner keeps scoring goals now, too. So, definitely, probably, arguably, the most dangerous attack right now. Yeah, we never doubted that they were going to start scoring goals. That Man United-Chelsea tie 0-0 was frustrating, but then they came out and they beat Krasnodar 4-0, and then Burnley 3-0, and then Rennes 3-0, and then Sheffield United 4-1. So, they scored a lot of goals. They've scored 7-10, 14 goals in their last four games. They've always had that firepower going forward. Uh, Chilwell's shirt up that defense a little bit, but Chelsea's going to be dangerous, I think, going forward. They haven't had Pulisic fully healthy here for basically the entire season. He Unfortunately, I remember watching the uh, the warm-ups of how he got hurt uh, in one of the games he was supposed to start. He managed to kind of slip during warm-ups and tweak the hamstring, but I think... Just uh, out of precaution, they took him out of the lineup, and I think he'll be ready to go once we get back from international break. And once he's back, what a, t- what a front four that'll be with him, 
Havertz, Timo, and yeah. Zayek. So we'll see. Chelsea might make a run here for sure, just with the way they've been playing. And they got some games to do it when they get out of it. They got Newcastle coming up, that tough game against Spurs, and then that leaky Leeds United defense. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. Chelsea's definitely a team to watch going forward. I'm excited to see what they do. And it's always a fun game when they're on TV or a game to a good game to stream. Moving on to Aston Villa. Aston Villa has been absolutely unbelievable. Uh, and I say this with a little bit of pain in my heart because they just want Arsenal 3-0. I watched that game and I it was actually on at the same time as the Bears game. So I was kind of flipping back and forth and both games were just so, so, so <laughs> terribly depressing. Like I didn't know which one I wanted to watch. Um, but Aston Villa has been really good. Jack Grealish is is damn near forcing himself into the England lineup. Um, Gareth Southgate clearly isn't a fan, but Jack Grealish put in a great performance again. Uh, and they put three... I mean, Arsenal never really looked like they were in the game. Thomas Party subbed off in the 45th minute with an injury. Aubameyang still hasn't gotten on the score sheet. William is trash. Lacazette is trash. <laughs> and then I have to sit there and watch Ollie Watkins take 70-yard balls out of the air from his keeper with the studs of his cleat, just trapping it down, straight down, finding a pass. We made Ross Barkley look like freaking prime Iniesta. It was absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. That long ball into Ross Barkley on the far post, and he played it right across to Ollie Watkins. Aston Villa is playing at the top of their game. Um, I mean, their back line, Kanza, Matty Cash, Tyrone Mings, Target, and then Martinez have been unbelievable. John McGinn and Douglas Louise. They just ran us all over the field. So I'm big in on Aston Villa. I actually had him in my relegation zone to start the season. <laughs> Clearly... Um, I was a little off on that one, but I, I'm 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 here for Aston Villa as much as I hate uh, John Terry. I'm here for Aston Villa. They got a game in hand, so they got 15 points out of seven games. And if they win their first game out of the break, they'll be right back in the first place on points. So yeah. Aston Villa playing really well, and I guess we could jump down to Arsenal while we're on the topic. Yeah. So. Patrick, I guess you can give your analysis on the state of your team right now since you're the you're the fan here. Okay, so what Arteta's trying to do is he's trying to play a specific system a certain way, and the way that that happens is he plays a traditional nine, and our traditional nine is Alexander Lacazette, and this pushes Aubameyang to the left, who's by far our best player. It's not even a conversation. <laughs> he's, you know, a top three, three to five player in the Prem. He's a striker. He's not a left winger. Yeah. But we're trying to play him at left wing so we can have that traditional out-and-out out nine. But for some reason, we play William on the right. We play a little 3-4-3 with two holding midfielders. We play Thomas Partey and Mohamed Elneny. No creativity there. Meanwhile, Ozil is literally not even registered to play in the Premier League. We're paying him 350 a week to be a creative midfielder. And we're starting two holding midfielders. And I'm not too worried about our defense. Like, you know... We gave up three goals, but it was more so that we couldn't score that we gave up those three goals rather than we played bad defense, I want to say. And it's just very frustrating to see. I really want to I really want to see Aubameyang up the middle. I want to see Nicolas Pepe on the right. He's our record signing who hasn't started a game in the Premier League this year. He scored in the last two Europa League games he's played. And I want to see an out-and-out -out winger on the left. You can play William. Play him on the left wing. Play Alba through the middle. Martinelli's coming back. Kyle Saka can play on the left wing, but... We got to get Lacazette off the field. Lacazette is not doing enough for this team. He's like Bobby Firmino's like 
missing a chromosome younger <laughs> brother. Like he's just not good enough. He just flops around the field, heavy first touches everywhere he goes, and he takes up a valuable position on the field where our best player also plays. And he was clearly evident against Villa. We had no creativity going forward. So we need to, I think we need to switch also our formation. He's nervous about our defense. So he plays this 3-4-3 or 3-5-2 kind of setup. Um, but I'd like to see an attacking, excuse me, an attacking creative midfielder. I'd like to see Joe Willock. I'd like to see Ceballos play Cam. I'd like to see somebody <laughs> look to create some offense so I don't have to watch us lose 3-0 to Aston Villa. Yeah, it's been tough sledding offensively, like Patrick said. Lacazette, I don't think, has scored since September. And He's got three goals in the Prem this year. Aubameyang has zero. And, yeah, and all of those goals came in the first, like, two or They're three games. Bullshit goals. Um, eight games played, only nine goals for. Not what you look for, but we'll see what happens. Obviously, the defense still seems pretty good, even though they're playing that defensive style. But, like Patrick said, I think a little change in the formation could do them well. And it seems like Mikel Arteta wants them to play out of the back and yeah. kind of slowly build up into the offense and maybe it's just his system needs some more time to develop with the guys as a lot of teams have seen um it just takes time to gel a system with a bunch of bodies like that Jurgen Klopp's system took two or three years to fully come to fruition and it seems like Mikel Arteta's uh, system just needs a little more time to develop and might not be there this year but I still Love Arteta. I think he's going to do good things with Arsenal. They're just struggling to score goals. And like Patrick said, they need that more creative style in the midfield to get that going. I agree with that, what you said about the system thing. But what's bothering me is the same thing that bothers us about the Cubs. You know, you want the best 11 on the field, right? Every Premier League game matters. All 38 games matter. We don't have time for an aging Willian to be playing right wing with a like that just didn't work like we I don't care if like you know I don't care who's older what's the seniority what I like the best 11 soccer players have to be on the field every t- all the time and when you look at Chelsea even when Chelsea tied that game 3-3 to West Brom they had Timo Werner they had Kai Havertz they had all these guys on the pitch I want to see our best 11 on the pitch every time we set foot on the field so that's my rant rant over <laughs> And I would agree with that. Um, Looking back here, they haven't scored a goal in the Premier League in four matches. So that's definitely concerning. But they're playing good in the Europa League. They're 3-0 in the Europa League. And they got a pretty good grasp on the group there. And it almost seems like they're playing more attacking lineups in the Europa League lineups than they are in the... Because Nico Pepe plays. Nicolas Pepe is like he's... uh, (laughs) <laughs> he's 72 he cost 72 million dollars for a reason he scored 24 goals and had 10 assists the year he we bought him from leo in the french league like he's a creative forward thinking player Very he fast. doesn't he doesn't like passing the ball backwards when we got when you start a midfield of granite Xhaka and mohammed el neni those guys aren't going forward the reason mesut ozil was so good even though he didn't play defense is when you got the ball how often did he look back to play to David Luiz? Very rarely. He looked, picked his head up, saw the guy running at the back post, and tried something. We just need to start people to start trying things. And that's why, you know, Mason Mount's a fallout at Chelsea. I'm hearing a lot of fans <laughs> at Chelsea saying, fuck that kid. I heard that at Bridges this week, and I was like, dude, Mason Mount runs and runs and runs. He tries his ass off. He's always looking to create something. 
at Arsenal right now, I don't think anybody's trying to create something, and that needs to change. So, Moving on to Everton. Everton let us down this week. We thought Everton was going to take down Manchester United. That I mean, before I even woke up, it was... I lost money. It's depressing. <laughs> I hate when I do that. It happens mostly on KBO, but also when Everton loses at 6.30 a.m. Everton, um, they start the season off 4-0, and they've just really been struggling to find themselves since then. Um, as we've been seeing, especially this past game with Manchester United, they're kind of struggling to get some pace without Carlson. Obviously, he got that suspension uh, against Liverpool for getting that red card. And just overall, so one of the crazy stats that I saw about Everton since 2018 when they signed Carlson, whenever Carlson is not in the Everton lineup the past two years, Everton has not won a league game. And that has continued. So kind of crazy to think about. You don't really think about Carlson having that effect if you're not an Everton fan, but they haven't won a game since 2018 when he's not in the starting lineup. And they start out 4-0, and they haven't won a game since. Yeah, I mean, Bernard actually played a really good game. He had the nice finish to put him up 1-0, I believe. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it just wasn't enough. Manchester United's just going to be always so dangerous going forward, regardless of how the game's going or regardless of uh, if they're losing. We saw that in the PSG game when it was 1-1 for that whole time, then all of a sudden Rashford breaks free. It's happened in a lot of games. Um, they're... I always look for live bets and games that are 1-1, you know, going into the 60, 70, 80th minute. And Man United is a perfect team to live bet when the game is tied just because they have so much pace and attacking threat going forwards. Bruno Fernandez can find a pass. But for me with United, it's just up and down all the time. It's They win one game, they lose the next, they win the next. We bet on them after they win and then they lose and then we don't bet on them when they play the next game and then they win. And it's Every time we think... They find their form the very next game. They manage to shit the bed. They're they're an enigma right now. You you literally don't know what you're gonna get on a week to week basis. Um, I saw a lot of rumors swirling around that Ali might be on the way out. And that Everton game, we both uh, were big on Everton. We were kind of signaling for an Ali farewell game, and that wasn't the case. So. I don't know what the deal is with that team. I saw a bunch of Pochettino rumors going around on the internet. But in the Champions League, they beat PSG, and PSG had a full lineup at the time. Then they come out, play a super boring game against Chelsea, a 0-0 draw. Very next game, Leipzig, who's a very dangerous team going forward, they absolutely smacked them 5-0. Yeah. Then they come back. After that... 5 nothing win against Leipzig, and they beat PSG. I'm like, you know what? Maybe they're finally finding their form. And lose then they come Arsenal. out and <laughs> shit the bed against Arsenal. And, and then they lose, they to, lose Istanbul. to Istanbul. And yeah. so funny. So Yeah, then they come out, funny. beat Everton. So going forward, they have West Brom. Should They need to win. They're in 14th place. They need to win. Then they play Istanbul, which you would think is an easy game. Lost 2-1 last time out. Then they play Southampton, which is clearly this not an easy game this year. They're in fourth place. Then they play PSG, and then they play West Ham, which is also not an easy game considering West Ham is above them in the table. West Ham just pulled off a nice result this past week. I'm blanking on who it was. They won 1-0. I think it was against Fulham. 
Fulham, but it was tied going into like the 85th minute or something. Tied like in the 90th. Yeah, man. that was a crazy game. We'll touch. We'll touch a little bit on that game just because of a funny moment. But and then they got Leipzig and Man City, so they got a, and then Sheffield leads Everton, Leicester City, so they got a lot of tough games coming up going forward. And Big stretch for Man U. If anyone watched that Istanbul game, I dude, it was so funny to see how that first goal was scored. I don't know if you saw the I didn't picture. See the game though. No. The the first oh, goal. Oh yeah, Dembélé. He was way by oh, himself. Like, yeah. I have never. I that was the poorest shape of a team at a professional level I have ever seen. Nobody had I, any idea he was there, and De Gea didn't say anything to his center backs either. Clearly, the coaches, I, nothing. I think twelve year olds are in better position than what they were in that. He was maybe twenty yards in his own half, Dembélé, and there was no one near him. It was uh, it was mind boggling to see that, and then the second goal, also very funny. You have three Manchester United defenders in the box, all standing next to each other, and uh, I forget who scored for Istanbul, but he's wide open, and I just I don't understand how that you managed to let that happen in a professional game like that, but it it happened so. Yep. Very funny moment, and we'll, we'll see keep what, moving. Yeah, we'll see what happens with them. We'll jump to Palace and Leeds since that was Palace beat Leeds four one. We were on Leeds that game as well, I believe. Yep. Palace. Every time we bet against Palace, Palace wins, <laughs> and that's actually a factual statement. I think every time we bet against yeah, Palace, we might have to fade our, our bets there. I um, think we just have to might jump in on Palace a little bit. Like Palace, they've they beat Man U three one, then they lost two one to Everton, and then they lost four 0 to Chelsea. And then they beat Pal- They beat Fulham 2-1, and then they lost to Wolves 2-0. So they're like up and down, up and down, and they smack Leeds 4-1. So yeah. they're up and down, up and down. I like that Eze guy. He's uh, like a 20-year-old. He has the dreads. He's kind of the creative player that I feel like Palace has been missing other than Zaha. It's kind of been the one-man show, but he was taking their free kicks. He had that crazy bar-down free kick, which was awesome. And Leeds is just continuing to show that they're... Hit they're or miss, just going to be a hit or miss team. Yeah. They're too leaky at the back, and they can score goals. But this is the Premier League, and not the Championship. And you need to, sh- you know, shore up that defense, or else they'll finish middle of the table, and that'll, you know, that'll be a good season for them being in their first Premier League season in what seventeen years or so. Something like that, sixteen, so, seventeen years. That about uh that about wraps up our Premier League summary from what we've missed the past three and a half weeks. Yeah. Um, funny moment. So we bet on West Ham this past weekend, mm-hmm. and they score in the ninetieth minute, and then maybe two or three minutes later, there's a penalty kick for Fulham, and I'm like, you got to be kidding me! They finally score. They deserve to win the game. Yeah, and then. Fulham gets a penalty kick. I forget who took the penalty kick, but that's an all-time embarrassing moment. Yeah. I'm sure that's the last time that dude will ever try and take a penalty kick like that. He tried a Panenka <laughs> to tie the game on the last kick of the game, and obviously the Panenka did not work. It was a very poor hit Panenka. Um, Fabianski had enough time to stand back up and save the ball. So I, uh, I don't know why was... anyone would try to do that with the game on the line. <laughs> Literally the last kick of the game. It was the 98th minute, and the description online was, uh, his name was Ademola Lookman. Lookman misses the penalty. Heartbreak for Fulham as Lookman t- attempts an audacious chip down the middle. 
that Fabianski catches easily off the line. <laughs> yeah, I I couldn't believe it. I feel bad for the guy. He must have felt really bad about himself after that. I don't know what's going through his head to try and take a penalty kick like that, literally with the game on the line. So that's a, that's a howler. That's our botch of the week for sure from that guy. But thanks for helping us win some money. Um, we're jumping to Champions League now. Yeah, we'll just do a quick little recap. Um, we got some open open groups for sure. One of the biggest open groups right now is Group B. Mönchengladbach, Shakhtar, Real Madrid, and Inter Milan. Sha- in that order. In, that, in order. that order. In that order. Real Madrid and Inter Milan are third and fourth place in that group. Who would have thought that was coming? But... It's very tight. Five points, four points, four points, two points. So these next three games are going to be big for everyone. Anyone can come out of that group on top, and anyone can come out on the bottom. Yeah, Shakhtar's uh, got a negative five goal differential in second place. <laughs> um, Madrid's given up seven, scored seven, so they got to tighten it up at the back. But these second three, I think that, you know, I think it's time... We start betting the favorites in this group a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I think I think reality will start to come back a little bit. I think Real Madrid will find their footing. I think Inter will find their footing. I don't know if I'll bet on Inter against Munch and Gladbach because Munch and Gladbach's been yeah. in great form. So Bundesliga too. Props to them. Um, looking at some other groups, that Chelsea Sevilla group that was probably the easiest group. Both of those teams are going to come out of that group. Dortmund, Lazio, Bruges, Zenit. Six five four one. That is another open group. You you'd think uh, Dortmund's going to come out of the group just given their talent and how well they've been playing in the Bundesliga. Um, but that second spot is up for grabs for really anyone. Zenit might be in last, but they got some quality, and they might be able to go on a little run here. And I don't know who's going to come out in second place of that group. Yeah, we bet Dortmund that game. They won 3-0. We bet Holland to score first. He scored the second two, which was frustrating. But uh, other than that group, we got Man United with six, Leipzig with six, PSG with three, Istanbul with three after that big win over Man U. So that's yeah. another tough game, tough group. PSG's really got to turn it on. Mbappe's injured right now. And Neymar's and injured. And Neymar's so injured right now. Who knows what's going to happen with PSG there, but... I think it'll come down to PSG and Leipzig, and I'm kind of leaning on Leipzig to come out, which is crazy to think that PSG might end up in the Europa League. Yeah. Um, a lot of fun Champions League coming forward. A lot, lot of fun Champions League, and it's crazy to think that they're literally going to play another three weeks in a row of nonstop matches. So it'll be fun to bet on. It'll be fun to watch. And One game we didn't touch on while we're here. We can talk about that Dortmund-Bayern game, 3-2. Yes. So... I know everyone in America basically is just kind of Premier League, Premier League, Premier League, but I'd say my second favorite league to watch is the Bundesliga. Facts. The Big Bundesliga facts. is a very similar play style to the Premier League, very fast-paced, very physical style. I'm not a big La Liga guy. I'm not a big Serie A guy, and the Bundesliga gets the job done, and what a game. Bayern 3, Dortmund 2, and... That's kind of what we were expecting. Both those teams score a lot. And at the same time, it kind of sucks that the big games in the Premier League has, haven't really been 
proving to be that exciting like that game was. Every everything about that's what we that thought game, the City Liverpool game was going to be, and it didn't happen. Yeah, everything that we thought that Bayern Dortmund game was going to be ended up being the case, and for me, that's the best game I've watched in a long time. So, so such an exciting game, and and nonstop action. Lewandowski, unbelievable. I'd say he's the best player in the world right now. Yeah, it might be a bold statement. Most consistent player in the league right now. He scores goals. He every scores time. a There's goal no like every single game. He, I don't can't tell you the last time Lewandowski's had a slump. You know what I mean? Like, if you put it in the six and he's in the six, it's a goal. You know, and and not many players can say that. His consistency's been unmatched. Yeah, he got robbed out of a Ballon d'Or. He won everything last year. He won. Champions League, the league, the League Cup, the UEFA Super Cup. He won everything. Five trophies, I think. Something like and that. it's unfortunate that he got robbed, but I, I'd say right now he might be the front runner. The guy keeps scoring, and Bayern's so arguably dangerous. the best team in Europe. Kimmich right now. got injured, though. That was the only negative. Um, love Joshua Kimmich. He th- he plays soccer the right way, I think. Yeah. I think he could put Joshua Kimmich in almost any position. He could play nine effectively, I think, just because he knows how to play the game, knows where the pass is, knows what he's going to do with the ball before he even gets it. So that's a big loss for, for them, especially without Thiago now. They're they're definitely not short on the wings. They brought Sané in off the bench. on rang the post before he got subbed <laughs> off. They're so dangerous on the wings. Serge um, Nabry. Yeah, it's just their, I think their midfield depth. Quarantine Toliso. They got uh, Leon Gretzko, who's a yeah, dog, but, dog. And then on Dortmund, Gio Reyna, the young American, put up a great performance, got in a lot of uh, dangerous positions. And then the Lucas. man, the myth, the legend, Erling Haaland, just keeps on producing. That guy, in the next couple of years, might might be He's the next Lewandowski, player. I think. I yeah. think he's the kind of guy that if... Regardless if things go right or wrong, they could lose the game by six goals, but he'll still score. You know, it'll be 7-1, and Holland will get on the score sheet. He just needs one chance, and he had a lot of chances where he put it just wide of the goal, stuff like that, and he has that, you know, I feel like in a lot of games. But he's he loves those little... getting in the chances. He's so good at those runs, especially with a lot of creative players on the team like Sancho, Hazard, he was, uh... Brandt. He loves that little slip run right in between the center backs. They play it to his left foot, and he tries to hit it across the goal. He loves that run. He's so he was the it. fastest guy on the yeah, pitch. Yeah, he was. So, yeah, I love watching so Holland. So ugly, but... And <laughs> not the prettiest looking guy, but I love that guy, yeah. and... I guess that about wraps up our little recaps here. This might have been a little bit of a dull episode, but we just kind of missed a lot the past three and a half weeks, so it's kind of hard to. Yeah, it's international talk about break everything. too now, so we figured it was uh, everyone's kind of safe and healthy again. Yeah. Uh, just kind of get back on top of everything, touch base on where everyone is at the t- at the at the moment, and then we can, you know, we got international break sadly for a week or two, and then we got some. We'll get back. Got some great games. Um, The last thing I guess we could talk about here before we wrap this up, the U.S. men's national team back in action for the first time in, I believe, 10 months. And they got the youngest, I'm pretty sure it's the youngest squad they've ever fielded. I think the average age is 21. And they didn't bring over any MLS guys, which is, I think, awesome. Isn't they that got, crazy? It's crazy to think about. There's no <clears throat> MLS guys in the lineup. All these guys are young teenagers, young 20s, so they're all playing in the top leagues. And it should be exciting. they got a big game against Wales tomorrow. If you're not doing anything at 145, I definitely recommend watching it. 
we might be hitting a little uh, a little golden age here with these young guys. Yep. Um, some names to keep an eye on. We got Conrad De La Fuente. Everyone. <laughs> like, keep your eye on everyone. Whoever's in the I'm game, looking at like, this list right now, and it's it's fucking everybody. Keep your eye on. Keep your eye on everyone. This is so cool. We got two guys in Barcelona right now. We got a guy in Lip- Leipzig. We got a guy in Lille. We got a guy in Dortmund. Guy in Bayern. Got two guys it. on Fulham. One guy in Wolves. Guy in Man City. Guy in Leicester City. It's awesome. It's we got awesome. so many dudes. Keep your, like... If you're not doing anything tomorrow at 1:45, please watch the game. It's it's going to be say exciting. You were there to see. before everyone jumps on the yeah, bandwagon. Yeah, before the bandwagon gets hot, you can say that you know all these guys. And because there's going to be some parades outside of Soldier Field in the next ten years, <laughs> and you're going to want to say that the On the Pitch Pod told you about these guys way before you everybody else started getting drunk and marching through Grant Park. Yeah, so. Hopefully we can maybe uh, put out a little episode just kind of talking about how the men's national team played these uh, two friendly games. Yeah, maybe a 20-minute uh, episode or something Yeah, like a little that. short episode just giving our thoughts on how these For young guys played. Home. And, uh, yeah, that about wraps it up. Thanks for listening. We hope we didn't bore you guys too much. But, like I said, just a lot to cover since we haven't done this in a while and Hopefully we get back into it and to our normal routine here. Yeah, as always, guys, we're uh, we're not pros at this. We just do it for fun. We didn't <laughs> quit our J jobs for this. So if you guys have any suggestions that would make this more enjoyable for you, anything you want to hear about, you know, more betting, more soccer talk, more you know, random stuff like picks of the week or stuff like that, whatever you guys are liking, whatever you guys are not liking, let us know via the Twitter at on the pitch pod. And uh, yeah, thanks for tuning in. Hope to see you guys next time. Peace.